The following program contains important but graphic material. These topics are designed to foster discussion, but may be objectionable to some. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. This program is a training program on human trafficking, sextortion, social media exploitation, and child pornography based on actual cases. Our mission is to eradicate human exploitation and bring predators to justice. Now, here is the host of the program, Opal Singleton. Well, good morning and welcome to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. This is Opal Singleton. It is a rainy morning down in Southern California. Hallelujah. It's about time. I think we've had a six-month drought, so I'm tired of watering and paying that water bill, so things are looking up out here. Anyway, things are really looking up because we've had all kinds of good news this week. And in the meantime, though, this show is going to end with some really hard stuff because I want to continue the conversation I started last week on the subject of prism of shame. But in the meantime, if you want to call in to this show, now we know I see all the stats and I know that many people listen to this show after it's recorded. Uh, it replays several times again at 7 p.m. tonight here in Southern California time, uh, Pacific Standard Time. But if you want to call in, it's 866 472 5788. That is 866 472 5788. And I'd be happy to join in the conversation with you because this is going to be a very hard topic as we continue the discussion about prism of shame. Uh, And we've made some headway on that subject this week and are just anxious to share with it because it is a journey that we're talking about here as we work our way through it. In the meantime, we've had some just Fabulous news, folks. I just want to take a minute. This is uh, October 4th, and I want to make an announcement here because it's just amazing news. Um, Many of you don't know me personally, but uh, I have been doing this for 10 years now, eight in Southern California. I started working originally with Rafa House, R-E-P-H-A, who operates out of Cambodia, Thailand, and Haiti. And in 2011-2012, I began to be involved with the Riverside County Anti-Human Trafficking Task Force. In those days, it was only one guy who was undercover, and it was me working at my kitchen table and supporting him. And after we agreed I'd do that, then I didn't see him again because he's undercover, but he'd email me and text me and I'd go, what if I screw this up, you know? <laughs> what he didn't know about me is I'm a massive researcher, and those of you that have followed me know that I've looked at tens of thousands of hours of research over the years, and I've now trained a quarter of a million people personally. So it has been quite the journey. In 2012, they began to pay me for 20 hours a week uh, because I'm putting 5,000 miles a month on my car doing this work, and I'm very, very grateful to have an income. I'm on Social Security So it was really, really good news. And for the last five years, they have um, compensated me for 20 hours a week. That allows me to have the other 50 hours a week to roam the earth and train people like yourselves. And that's what I do. It is my mission in life. It's where I'm at. It's where God put me. And I get up every day and give it my all. And some days I look in the mirror and go, what the heck ever happened here? (laughs) Anyway, it's, it's an aging 
process, let me tell you. But anyway, I was coming up on a very tough deadline this last Friday, quite frankly. Many of you didn't know that. I tried to just have faith. But in January, my sergeant called me in and said, you know, Grants are usually only for um, two grants from the federal government for a task force, usually ends at two. And so we won't be able to fund you again after the after September 30th of this year. That was in January. And I have spent the last nine months beating my brains out, getting all kinds of other opportunities that I could do just in case, because although I was praying and praying, some miracle would happen. I felt like I was obligated to prepare myself for plan B. Interesting thing happened along about August is that uh, a grant application came out and it had a third category for task forces that have been funded twice that are willing to train other task forces. And uh, that, of course, I've been doing that voluntarily all across the United States of my friends up in Alaska, just amazing people in Wyoming. I'm about to do Lenexa, Kansas, and I've done Joplin, Missouri. And, you know, I kind of roam the earth doing this because I do all this research and I do believe it's important to get that word out there. And so I do that. Well, the application came out in July. There were six task forces applying. There were only three grants, and I have prayed and prayed and prayed. Because the truth is, is that, you know, I live on Social Security, and I lived on my husband's Social Security, but my husband passed away last year. And besides the fact that I miss the love of my life, I also miss his income. And so I was looking at last Friday of having two-thirds of my income disappear and trying to figure out how to keep this mission afloat. And uh, what happened is last Friday, the Riverside County Anti-Human Trafficking Task Force was selected as one of the BGA, the Burns Justice uh, Grant that comes out of the Department of Justice, and we are now continued to be funded for three more years. So praise God. <laughs> I get to continue this work. I get, get to continue to talk to all of you, and I get to continue to train. So I just wanted to take a little bit of our time out to tell you that I'm celebrating. Trust me, this is, uh, this is good, good news because we have a lot of amazing things we're trying to do. As many of you know, I'm trying to raise the funding for a documentary Uh, I'm hoping and praying a certain group will come forward and do that. I want a documentary in the schools for all of our kids, and I'd like the parents to see it, too, about what the Internet, how what the Internet's made up and how predators use it, because nobody is telling our kids that. And our kids get these apps long before parents do, and they don't come with any instructions, any warning, or anybody telling us how pedophiles are going to use them to violate our kids. So it's only when people like myself analyze it, see the cases, and go, oh my God, we got to tell everybody that we begin to do that. So we need to raise the baseline of education across America of how pedophiles use technology to access, groom, recruit, and exploit our children. I will be coming out with a new book. I had hoped to finalize it this week, but we now have the Department of Justice visiting this week, so I'm madly crazy out here. But uh, it'll be called Societal Shift, A World Without Borders, A Home Without Walls. 
And I'm very, very anxious to get on with that. But in the meantime, we've had another real cool thing happen. You know, those of you that have not heard me lately, I have been sharing something that has been a a learning process. Much of what I share is based on my own experience or all the research that I do. And, you know, one of the things that's an interesting journey for me, that's a, that's a, fine Christian way to put it, anyway, uh, has been one of the most difficult journeys of my whole life is that of being a widow and losing my husband. Uh, You know, I I was one of those really lucky women. Uh, We met when I was 27. We fell in love, and it was a partnership, a true partnership for 44 years. Smart man, generous man, just an amazing rock for me. And he he went along as I started this journey in bu- building Million Kids, and he has been such a support. But as he was passing away, you know, he would he and I talked about that he was leaving me. He told me about six hours before he died. He told me he said, "You're a hard woman to leave," and uh, what a, what an amazing man he was. But about uh, probably a month before he died, I came home one day, and he had been waiting for me to, I'd been out making some presentation again, and he left me this sign that said that to the smartest, most beautiful, hardest working woman in the world, love Dell. And it occurred to me that he had spent hours trying to find some way to tell me after he was gone that he believed in me, and he did. And it was just what a magical gift when you have another person who believes in you that has the ability to verbalize that. You know, all of us want that. And as I've worked on this whole idea of fantasy relationships and the art of grooming and and even the prism of shame when it goes wrong and all of that, I always believe that no matter who it is, whether they're male or female, whether they're gay or straight, whoever they are, we all have the same need, and that is for someone to believe in us. And I just got that gift for free for 44 years until it went away, but he left me that gift. And I have made up these bracelets called, they have me and kids on it, but it also says, I believe in you because I believe, especially men, if men will learn those four most important words on earth, I believe in you, and you go out and you find 15 ways to say that to everybody in your life, your son, your daughter, your wife, and yes, those foster kids down the street, that kid at Sunday school that is being raised by a grandma or a single mother. Now, you need to be appropriate. You have to have good boundaries, absolutely. Otherwise, you're just part of the problem. These Many of these kids don't have boundaries. But if you will te- learn the words, I believe in you, and you start to share that with other kids, it will make a difference. So we made up these bracelets, and I was up in uh, San Luis Obispo and Morro Bay. What an amazing group of people they are. Spoiled me absolutely rotten, and i got to get the thank you cards out because I just haven't even had time to feed myself lately. But 
I, I want to tell you a story that happened. I got an email from uh, the folks up in Morro Bay, and one of these ladies bought 20 of these I Believe in You bracelets. A lot of people are buying these and giving them to kids, but th- her daughter was a social worker somewhere, and so she bought 20 of them and gave them to her daughter so that she could give them to the kids that she worked with. And she said, I gave my daughter the 20 bracelets and she thought they were fabulous and something her office, which is Child Protective Services, could use to great advantage. Yesterday, she had to move a nine-year-old out of her grandmother's house due to safety issues. The girl's mother, I'm not going to say what her girl's life was. The girl was upset about having to be moved since the location was a long ways away from where she was currently living. The, the lady gave this girl a bracelet that said, I believe in you, and they had a very long drive, so the, the social worker took the time to explain about believing in her, and she talked to the new foster grandmother the next morning, and what she found out was that the girl had said that she was over the moon about receiving a bracelet and what it meant. Then she opened up about how everyone had always told her how stupid she was. This is a foster kid. This is a social worker who's an amazing lady. I don't know her, honestly. But here is a mother whose daughter is a social worker. She bought the gifts. She bought the bracelets. She gave them to her daughter. Her daughter immediately started sharing them with some of her foster kids. And she didn't just hand them. She explains what it means when somebody believes in you. You know, folks, there, we can analyze the heck out of this. We can talk about, you know, uh, uh, vicarious trauma and, and all of that kind of thing, you know, informed trauma care. But we need to start at the front of the line and start to work with our kids. You know, you do not have to wait outside a motel to get the cartel. You don't. Everybody's marching up and down the street with these signs and, you know, trying to do this vigilante stuff. The answer is start in your home, start in your neighborhood, start at your foster care place, start at your group homes, you know, start to take those kids in. Order some of these I Believe in You bracelets and hand them out. Go to your group home. Start to put on programs where they understand that people believe in them. Give them an anchor relationship. If you're a youth minister, you know, get some of those bracelets and let them know that you are their biggest champion. That is how you fight human trafficking, is it's starting at the top. And dads, you know, I'm going to tell you, start at home, start with the wife, start with the kids, empower each other, find the good in each other, let each other know just how important. Think about what a pimp is selling a girl. I believe in you, baby. I'm going to be there for you. Well, let's beat them to the punch. This is Opal Singleton. The show has exploited crimes against humanity, and we are going to start to talk about when this goes wrong, what we do about it. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
seduced. The Grooming of America's Teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Helen Hillix, Todd Benton, and Chris Reeves. Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time. 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. Well, hello and welcome back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. I want to continue a conversation that I started last week because it is the final conversation in my head before I close out my book, Societal Shift. And I'm not sure I'm to the bottom of the subject yet, which I haven't released it, Uh, but I am having dialogue with multiple people, and I would very much value your input. Uh, You know, you can always write to me at opal, O-P-A-L, at millionkids.org. It'll take me a little bit to answer. I am very, very far behind. It is embarrassing how far behind I am right now, but I'm paddling as fast as I can, and I want to get this book out and finish it before I get much farther down the road. But I value your opinion, and you can call in on the show, too, for what it's worth. What I'm dealing with here is that what I've noticed, my first book is called Seduce the Grooming of America's Teenagers. And it's all about a fantasy relationship, which I have seen over and over and over. In other words, I'll just give you a baseline in case you're new to this show and you don't know the work of me and kids. But what happens in so many of these, especially social media, but it can happen in person too, is the kid enters into a fantasy relationship. In person, it's usually an older guy who comes in and promises a young girl everything she wants to hear. Sometimes it's an older woman who promises the kid sex. You hear about it all the time with teachers and that kind of thing. But it's usually an older guy and a younger girl. On the internet, there are whole rings of people pretending that they're one person, and in fact, the kid doesn't even know that they're talking to six or eight people. 
And these people are talking to thousands of kids. It's called a sextortion ring. And what they do is they go in and they trick these kids and the kids fall in love. They get a fantasy relationship. A predator will only give our kids maybe four or five pieces of information. And so our kid begins to create the fantasy. You know, maybe it's Justin Bieber. Who knows? You know, this fantasy relationship, what he says to her and how he looks at her. And the the predators are so smooth. They get exactly what they're doing. So they don't want to get in the way of the fantasy. They just give a little bit of information. And it is amazing to me that thousands of our children who do not understand how the Internet works, and I want to fix that, quite frankly, that's the idea of the documentary, but they don't understand how the Internet works, and they are sucked in. Now, part of that is a societal problem. We have parents who are putting kids on computers, on smartphones, while they're hormonal, hormonal and before they have cognitive reasoning, and often before they have the sex talk. So, you know, think about we have millions of young people out there roaming the Internet Wanting to be loved, wanting to be noticed, that's what happens when you go through puberty. You start looking around to see who thinks you're cool and who thinks you're cute. And they start sucking you in. And you're new at this, and your fantasy goes wild, and it is easy to suck you in. Now, quite frankly, I've been on a couple of those dating sites, and I can tell you it's easy for adults to get sucked in. You know, Plenty of Fish is one of the sites where a lot of people meet up with some real creeps. Now, I'm sure there's some good people on Plenty of Fish, but how do you have the intelligence to sort through which one's wonderful and which one's not? And if you're 11, 12, 13, I can guarantee you, you do not have that ability. Ability to think that up. So the idea of seduced was that our kids literally make up a fantasy. So they start arguing with mom and dad. They get secrety. They hide the computer, the smartphone when you come in. They, you know, maybe are caught getting up in the middle of the night, all kinds of things. By the way, the first thing I would recommend mom and dad is that you don't give a kid a phone till they have the sex talk. And number two, you don't give them a phone until they've completed puberty. And number three is if they have a phone, they don't sleep with it because at three o'clock in the morning in their underwear, in their most vulnerable moment, any pedophile can come into their bed by their phone and access your child. And nobody seems to be thinking any of this out. So anyway, what happens here is the kid makes up this fantasy and you begin to fight with your kid if you're a parent. And what is going on here is that that uh, literally what is happening is that you are not arguing with your child and you're not arguing with the boyfriend. You are arguing with the fantasy. And unless you know how to deal with a fantasy, you will get in a tug of war with a fantasy and you will lose. And that is what the book Seduce, the Grooming of America's Teenagers is all about. And I highly recommend, if you have not read it, that you can just go to me and kids and purchase it. I'll sign it and send it to you. You can also get it at Amazon, but they only give me three bucks and it takes four months to get it. So I'd rather support our work with it if you don't mind. Just go to www.meandkids.org. So they're in this fantasy relationship, and what is happening is that they start to develop all kinds of fantasies of what is appropriate, and they lose all their inhibitions and boundaries because the world of the Internet feels like it's not real. 
and that there are no consequences. And they are also not able to project out where this is going. And that is how they end up being victims of sex trafficking or victims of sextortion. What happens is they'll get the kid to, let's say, masturbate or maybe uh, have sex or sex with a friend, and they film it and they send it to this guy, whether it's a um, you know, a live stream or a Snapchat or like that. And it may even just start with something simple like just, a, you know, flashing their top, which you and I think you'll see more of that on the beach. But that's enough for that person on the other end to take control of their lives. And they do. They then begin to say, I got this photo and I am going to post it all over the Internet. You know, I want more photos and they turn it into shame. And they, you know, I want more photos. I want better photos. I want more explicit photos. In some cases, isn't that your 12-year-old sister there? Because I want a photo of you and her having sex. And it becomes literally a cycle of shame, what I call the prism of shame, P-R-I-S-M, prism of shame. Because think about what has just happened there. And this is why I'm talking about the prism of shame. What we already know in the work that I do is that kid will go to the ends of the earth before they reveal to a parent what is happening to them. I've seen cases where kids have licked toilet bowls, so they don't have to you know, to please their predator. They've uh, they've drank their own urine, believe it or not. In some cases, they end up committing suicide. And there's an epidemic of suicides and attempted suicides going on at least in Southern California. We don't know if it's related to this or something else. But it is a concern because what we know is that there is a deep psychological event that is taking place that few people are looking at. And this is why I'm asking you to come along with me today as we explore this prism of shame. Because what I want you to see here is that this is different than sexual violation by a predator. Now, this is sexual violation, but it's vicarious, okay? It is out of the body. In other words, this isn't like Uncle Joe's in the room and he's molesting you in the middle of night and you can blame Uncle Joe. No, this is somebody you haven't never met. You, don't, you know, you have a vision of them one way, but they're, t- you know, I always say you think it's Justin Bieber, but it looks more like Frankenstein when you meet them. And so you have this idea in your head and they suck you in to doing the most intimate things to yourself, in some cases quite vile. And what I want you to understand is in many of these kids' cases, this is their first sexual experience. And I often talk about that, that for many of our kids, their first sexual experience will be a virtual sexual experience. And that's very important for our society to stop and think of the impact of that. Because they're 11, 12, 13 years old, and they are setting their sexual identity for the rest of their life, it will it will begin to lay the foundation of who they are sexually. You know, are they a good person that somebody loves and cherishes and will commit to and that they can have a, a monogamous, uh, healthy sexual relationship? How do you do that 
when you're 11, 12, or 13 years old and you've fallen in love with some fantasy on the Internet and they have taught you to go in and have sex with yourself and now they are starting to violate you, exploit you to the entire world. So your first sexual experience will be a shame-based sexual experience. I find this a very important subject because I know that 70% of kids that are in commercial sex, what we would think of as prostitution, although in California, if you're under 18, there's no such thing as child prostitution. But commercial sex, if you're under 18, 70%. I've got that number wrong, pardon 60% of kids that are in commercial sex under the age of 18 in California were previously sexually violated. In other words, they already had a negative sexual experience. So we already know from that path that a negative sexual experience will often, for many of these people, continue on in so they allow themselves without understanding it. Now, it isn't like they raise their hand and say, violate me, but it becomes infinitely more easy to be recruited by a pimp or by someone who comes in and begins to reinforce their self-worth on a false scale. In other words, they already think poorly of themselves sexually because they have been sexually violated. And most of these kids either can't tell or they can't get help. So that makes them sitting ducks for pimps and predators of all kinds, and probably for sextortion victims, because what is happening in that situation is that that they are, are absolutely setting up themselves. They already are in contempt of themselves, and it will change who they are, and it will change their odds of being violated again by an outside exploiter. But I believe this gets even more challenging and more uh, difficult. And so I'm going to ask you to stay with me. We're up against this break and we're going to go deep into something that my pastor is calling the object of contempt is me. And I think that's brilliant on his part. So stay with me. We'll be right back. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered. 
word at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O P A L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. Hello and welcome back to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. We are talking about the prism of shame. And what I mean by that is what is happening is these kids are being lured in by a fantasy. That was my first book. And then they self-violate. It isn't like Uncle Joe's in there. Sorry if your name's Joe. I'm picking on you. Anyway, um, it isn't like Uncle Joe's in there molesting you. There is nobody in the room with you. There is no physical senses. In other words, uh, you know, they come in, they touch you. That touch you respond to, it makes you process that somebody cares about you, uh, you know, a kind of that direction. There is none of that kind of thing. It is all going on in the child's mind. What they believe is on the other end of that Internet. And we all know that that's very, very deceptive. So based on that fantasy, they self-violate. And these get really, really crazy. I mean, I had nine of them in 14 days a while back. One of them was an 11-year-old girl who had inserted things. And it is devastating. It is devastating to the family. It is devastating to the the child. Uh, you know, that she just won of many, many cases. These sextortion cases, I honestly believe that because of live streaming and the fact that the entire world is coming together, that cyber sex on demand will be the greatest crime in the world, probably in by 2020, even greater than sex trafficking. Because you're about to have 15-year-olds that can go in their bedroom on Live.me and twerk and strip and do sex acts, and it won't be long until you'll be able to collect money for that. And you'll be able to make money in your bedroom and teenagers all over the world will be doing that. Also, third world people who are very poor that for five bucks, their older brother will set them up in Cambodia in front of a webcam or or Vietnam or Nigeria or somewhere. You know, there will be no end to the availability of webcam sex being sold out there. And so I'm very concerned about this because I believe this extortion. I see case after case where the person self-violates, they get blackmailed, and they end up being sex trafficked. And so that is the connection here. So I'm going to give you a case that happened this week just to help you understand how I analyze these cases, and I want you to think through this with me. This is an article by Carol uh, Robinson, uh, real-time news from Birmingham, so uh, you might support her work. Um, In this, the headline, Centerpoint Man Accused of Persuading 10 Kids to Perform Sex Acts for Child Porn Production. This is the story of Dennis James Hudson, Jr. I'll get this. uh, I haven't done my e-card, so I'm so far behind, but I will get that 
link on my site so you can do that. A center parent man, this is, uh, I, I don't know what state this is, we'll find out in a minute maybe. A center point man has been federally indicted on, on a dozen charges alleging he induced 10 children to perform sex acts for his pornography production. You see, the first problem here is neither child nor parent understands why does anybody want all these kids' naked photos. Because pedophiles are meeting in the clear web and they are exchanging dark web addresses and they are forming large-scale communities in the dark web. I know of five different cases that total more than a half a million pedophiles. Some of them prefer toddlers, some of them prefer infants, some of them prefer teenage girls or boys. And so they go out there and they trick our kids into doing these sex acts. The minute, and they, whether it's in a video game chat room, whether it's on Kick or Miggle or, or whether it's through something like um, live streaming, and they get those photos and they, you know, some of these rings have 215,000 pedophiles. One photo can bring in $215,000. So almost instantly your child's photo is being sold all over the world and there is no way to ever get it back. So that is the commerce end of sex uh, extortion. They trick your kid into a photo And then once the photo is sent, now they make a slave of your child, a a virtual sex slave. As they begin to feed them more photos by telling them that they are going to be destroyed. And what we see is a child's life is ruined forever. They cannot tell mom and dad because they did it themselves. And I, as I've said before, this has gone to extraordinary lengths that these kids, they'll end up killing themselves before they admit, which is why I call it the prism of shame, why they don't tell. So in this case, they, this guy had 10 uh, victims. They were quite young. Um, they were forced, uh, they were coerced into sending uh, sex acts. Um, this was a chain of 31 people here according to charging documents the kids were filmed printed recorded photographed and they were induced to produce an obscene matter a digital image of breasts or vagina that contain a visual depiction of a person under the age of 17 engaging in an act of sadomasochistic abuse these are kids these photographs sadomasochistic abuse sexual intercourse sexual excitement masturbation breast nudity genital nudity and other sexual conduct so here's a guy who's part of a ring who would go in and meet kids on the internet they would think he's different than he is he, they would fall in love. They would get a fantasy relationship. He would induce them to do acts of sadomasochistic abuse, sexual intercourse. These are legal terms, by the way. You can just use your imagination if you want to know what they were really doing. Sadomasochistic abuse, sexual intercourse, sexual excitement, masturbation, breast nudity, genital nudity, and other sexual misconduct. So this is what we're talking about here by the prism of shame. I want you to think. Think about these children. I don't know how they how old they are. But we just know they're children, and uh, so they could be nine, they could be eight, they could be seventeen. We don't know. They're under the age of eighteen, and they get them to do these crazy acts on themselves, and then they send it because they're in love with their perceived friend on the other end. 
obviously their fantasy has nothing to do with the reality of who they are speaking with. Now, here's what I want to talk about. Why won't they tell? I mean, I think that before I drank my own urine, I'd tell. You know, before I licked a toilet bowl, by the way, I, I researched that the other day. Oh, my gosh, I had no idea there's an entire fetish of those. Millions of people apparently are into that, God forbid. You know, what about tiny bowls? Doesn't that burn their tongue? But anyway, I digress. This is a scary place our society is entering into when people they will never meet and I want you to really get this in their head. This is all taking place in their head. They are being violated by their own head because the person that seduced them into these acts, they most likely will never meet. And it will change their life forever. It will change their sexual image forever. It will change the dynamics of the family forever. So I talked to my pastor about this because I believe that we have to create an entire trained organization, maybe even a curriculum, if you will, across the United States to train pastors and licensed marriage family therapists because I talk to the fathers who see these photos. I talk to the mothers. They will never be the same. The father will, once they understand what their child has done, they will never look at their child the same. And somehow the child instinctively understands that, even if they don't truly have cognitive understanding. But I tell fathers and mothers, you must get counseling because you're grieving the loss of the innocence of your child. So it will change the dynamics between especially father and daughter at a time when that daughter needs that father's unbroken approval. And he will not be able to give that because he is angry and dealing with grief and loss as he's changed the perception of his daughter. So this is a very complex problem. We must create counseling programs for parents of sex-storted kids. I was talking to my pastor about this because he is a life coach, and he wrote me some things. I'm going to read this. This is Pastor Kerry Decker, and his church is Compass Christian Church. In truth, it's a small church in Riverside that really, I mean, that church is absolutely dedicated to combating human trafficking around the globe, even though it's a small church. But Kerry is very good at understanding this kind of thing when you self um evaluate yourself. I want you to read, I'm going to read you his statement to me. Uh, This is Pastor Kerry Decker, D-E-C-K-E-R, if you want to Google him and contact him. It says, in typical abuse, let's see, it's interesting the prism of shame differs from other forms of child abuse. With other forms of abuse, the perpetrator takes advantage of a trusted relationship and inflicts harm upon the child. In typical abuse, the child may perceive escape from his or her abuser as being impossible or very difficult because someone in the house or family may be the one inflicting the harm. The victim may not see escape as being possible. The role of the abuser and the victim are clear in that scenario. With the prism of shame, the line gets blurred in the mind of the child. The relationship with the perpetrator is at least initially voluntarily, and I believe that this is the key difference. The perpetrator is actually the victim. 
this is what I think magnifies the shame. What he's saying is that you be you are the perpetrator and the victim because you are blaming yourself and you are abusing yourself. There's no one in the room that you can point to that made you do this. With typical abuse, victims can say, how could you do this to me? And they can go to the place where they banish the perpetrator from their lies. But that's not true of the prism of shame. This is powerful stuff right here. When the victim is also the perpetrator, there is only haunting self-recrimination. How could I do this to me? And while as victims, we often feel contempt for our perpetrator, in the prism of shame, the object of contempt is me. That is powerful words. And I thank you, Carrie Decker, for coming up with that. I agree with you that apart from God's grace and forgiveness, I cannot separate myself from my sin. What makes the prism of shame so insidious is the blurring of lines between victim and perpetrator, as well as the difficulty that the victim finds in escaping the memories of the wrongdoing that I did upon myself. This is Pastor Kerry Decker from Riverside, California. If you want to contact him, I can give you his email address is kdecker at packbell.net, or you can contact me and I will forward it. Uh, he is just starting down this road of especially counseling men who are dealing with their children uh, that are being violated of this. But it is important that our society stop and understand what is going on here. When we self-violate, it, we are creating our own prison and we have to start to create programs with therapists of all kinds and, and ministers of all kinds to support families. This is Opal Singleton. It's Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. We'll be right back. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Seduced, The Grooming of America's Teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. 
If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. Well, well, hello and welcome back. We are talking about this idea of the prism of shame and fantasy relationships. In this case, I think of them as phantom relationships because they are having a fantasy about a phantom human being. And that's very important to understand that, you know, the person they are thinking is there is not the person that is there. And so they have been tricked by their own imagination. And then they have watched themselves, and I believe that this is a key component in this. They got tricked by someone they'll never meet, so they can't blame someone else. And what has happened here is that they have violated, they got tricked, and so they have self-exploited based on someone exploiting them. And then this person begins to re-show them that picture and that video. And I believe that this is a very critical point in this. And uh, Carrie agrees with me as we've discussed this. And and uh, I want to finish this chapter and, and get this book out because we need to start to create programs for them. Think about this. You self-violate and you're only 11, 12, 13. You are not equipped in any way, shape, or form to even understand the adult shame, let alone the child shame that you are about to experience. And on top of it, you see that photograph or that video. The first thing they do is send back that video to you. And they say, now it's a weapon. You see, sex now becomes a weapon on yourself. And that is an important point. I want to write that down on yourself. That's an important point because you now are evaluating yourself in sexual violation where you are the one that is violating yourself. In other words, you are watching yourself in an out-of-body experience and you are judging yourself. So that is why I call it the prison, P-R-I-S-M, I can't say that clearly, the prism of shame. It is multi layers and it's distorted shame because you not only have the shame of committing the act, you now are judging yourself and feeling extremely used and foolish because you have been duped. And you are watching that in an out of body experience and you are evaluating yourself. And of course, then you add in the prism of your father or mother's approval if they find out about it. And I believe it is just more than a child can take. And so they do everything they can. It is, you know, parents, that's one reason why people like Carrie Decker need uh, and are preparing to help so many other men. Because parents, you know, you're evaluating this without having lived through the experience that they're living through. In other words, your first impression is, well, I thought she could talk to me. I thought she could come to me with anything. No, 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 no. This is not about you, mom and dad. This is about layer upon layer of shame in a minor that you're unable to um, experience what they're experiencing. And then you are going to feel some sort of guilt if you're a healthy individual because you handed a prepubescent child the phone. 
they would never have met that person had you not made that possible. So all of these things have layers of shame and guilt and the family become breaks down. The child may become suicidal before this is over. They need intense therapy, and we must train therapists who understand what this is about. I'll tell you why this is so important to me. We have safe houses across America now because we understand the path that a sex trafficking victim goes through. In other words, one of the things, part of the breaking process of a sex trafficking victim is they are often gang raped and gang sodomized by another human being and then forced to watch themselves in that violation. So they don't just have the shame of being exploited and the shame of commercial sex over and over and over, but they have been forced to watch themselves being exploited and judge themselves in an out-of-body experience that they didn't do anything to stop it. And so you have multiple layers of shame. And this is why it is so difficult to work in counseling with sex trafficking victims. But this is starting to take place with our children all across America as they are all also starting to self-exploit, send that photograph off, and then be forced to watch themselves and have that same kind of trauma and violation as they watch themselves self-violate. No one in the room, they're not old enough to understand the complexities even of psychology and that no wonder they don't tell and no wonder they can't ask for help. And no wonder so many of them think of suicide. We must address this because 70% 70 of people in sex trafficking were previously sexually violated. And we are raising a generation of kids who are self-violating and being, being sextorted right on top of it and have no way to tell. So this has been a very difficult subject. I appreciate so much Carrie Decker, Pastor Carrie Decker, if you want to contact him. I'm thinking of doing this off the top of my head. I think it's K Decker at packbell.net. If you can't reach him and you want to, just send me something at opal at millionkids.org and I'll forward it over to him. I want to thank you so much for waiting through this with me. This is tough, tough business, no doubt about it. But I do believe that we are literally in a societal shift. And that we must take this on in a way that that we can do something about it. I believe that this will be the greatest crime in the world, literally, in 18 months. And it is our children that their lives are at stake. And so I'm going to ask you, if you have any comments, any thoughts you want to share, please email me at opal, O-P-A-L, at meandkids.org. These are complex subjects, but we must begin to recognize this is an epidemic and we need a global solution. This is going to happen to kids all over the world and we must do something about that. So as I look at this and I'm closing this out, I believe the first thing we need to do is understand it and then get the book Societal Shift out to as many people as we can. Get this message on radio and television and everywhere we can. If you believe in the work of Million Kids and you're willing to help me subsidize this, I'd appreciate it. I live literally at the mercy even this show. If you don't donate we're not on the air. So if you would be willing to donate to millionkids.org, just go to www.millionkids.org and hit donate and send us a donation to keep this thing going and keep our work here to help kids. 
I truly appreciate it. This is Opal Singleton from Exploited Crimes Against Humanity, and we ask that you share this show with everyone you know. They're archived at exploitedcrimes.com. Just go to listen, exploitedcrimes.com, and you can share this show with anyone you want. You can even put this embed code on your own site if you want to. Just contact me. You folks have a great week, and we'll talk to you next Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Please join your host, Opal Singleton, for another edition next Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll have another important discussion next week.